God told Noah that two of every unclean animal, bird and creeping thing were going on board the ark. Does everybody here know the clean ones went in by sevens? Is that new to anybody today? You see, in the Old Testament, they used to sacrifice bulls and sheep and goats and doves. Folks, it was pointing to the final sacrifice of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, on the cross at Calvary. There wasn't that many of the, old, uh, of the clean ones, but they went in by sevens. I get skeptics coming up to me all the time and say, Rod, how could the hundreds of thousands of breed of animal ever fit on Noah's Ark? Folks, the problem is they never read the Bible. See, the Bible is very clear. The animals went in according to their kind, not breed. For example, let's consider the dog kind. Do you know there's hundreds of breed of dog in the world today? Well, every now and again, there's a new breed of dog. Where does that come from? Folks, it's pretty obvious. Too old breed of dog. Let's go back 100 years ago. Nowhere near the number of breed. Let's go right back to Noah. How many dogs did you need? Two original wolf-type dogs. Of course, the clean animals like the sheep went in by sevens. You see, God, with his great creative ability, he purposed a tremendous variety to adapt to niche conditions around the world. For example, the wolves have adapted to the snow and the ice conditions of Canada and Alaska. What would happen if you're a short-haired dog got left up there in the autumn? Oh, you'd freeze to death. You'd be meat for the wolves. You'd be better off, of course, like the dingo, adapting to the hot and warm conditions of Australia. Now, many people like Charles Darwin, you know, they misinterpret this as evolution. Folks, natural selection is not evolution. It's simply diversity within God's created kind. Most people don't realise this, but all the different breeds are due to a loss of genetic information. There's no gain in information which is what evolution would require. Charles Darwin was on the Galapagos Islands. He noticed these cormorants. Well, these cormorants were little mutants, stubby little wings, couldn't even fly. But they'd adapted. They were diving in and catching fish. Well, you know what? Fortunately for them, there were no wolves or foxes on the island to knock them off. Otherwise, they'd all be gone, of course. But you see, they hadn't evolved because their great-great-grandparents <coughs> used to be good flyers. Can you see what I'm getting at? Folks, don't let anybody tell you that change is evolution. For evolution to be true, you need change plus more genetic information, not less of it. Amen? People don't realise that. All these uh, things they give us that are loss of information. Anyway, John Woodenrapp's an American scientist. He did an intensive seven-year study. Now, John worked out that only 16,000 animals, medium-sized, that big, need to go on board Noah's Ark. That's the medium size. See, only 11% are larger than the sheep. The great majority are really tiny. Okay, let's assume, of course, the very large animals went in, say, as babies or juveniles. Do you know there's so much room on Noah's Ark, they never even had to clean up. Who reckons that's a good idea? Do you know in parts of, uh, parts of Europe, like Sweden, right up the north, they have frozen winters. They have animals under the house for up to seven months of the year. Well, they use a, a method called deep litter. Wood shaving, peat moss and straw will easily last all through the winter. It's been proven to last over 12 months. So there's not even any cleaning up required on Noah's Ark. Anyway, Noah was now 600 years old when the flood came. Well, Noah built the ark, but God did two miracles, didn't he? It was God who brought the animals and then God who shut the door. Folks, then a tremendous cataclysm happened. You see, on the 70th day of the second month of the 600th year of Noah's life, the Bible tells us clearly the fountains of the deep burst open all over the world. Then it started to pour and rain, 40 days and 40 nights, earthquakes, volcanoes, all happening simultaneously. Folks, later on in the flood, the dense ocean floor was subducting into the mantle. Seismic tests prove that. And the single lamb must be Pre-flood landmass was now being just ripped and torn apart into the continents we see today. Folks, not, not slow and gradual as evolution teaches, but rapid, catastrophic plate tectonics are happening here. See, not only were the cities, the people, the animals destroyed, the whole landscape was just ripped up. Fast-moving waters, picking up sediments, laying them down in pancake layers. Who's seen stuff like this? Do you know what the average depth is worldwide? One and a half kilometres of water-laid sediments worldwide. But that's what's left after the receding floodwaters have just washed heaps of it off. Anyway, it's interesting uh, when we look at the Grand Canyon. What a monument to the flood. Nancy and I were over there a couple of years ago. 
We investigated ourselves. Do you know these layers of strata, the Grand Canyon? It's all water-laid strata. They run for hundreds of kilometres dead straight, except the Kaya Wall. God has lifted up the land. Well, all those layers fold over each other like very soft plasticine. Do you know why? Because everything was lifted up still wet. Can you imagine lifting that up while well, it's hard? It would crack and break. Folks, it was lifted up still wet and you've got this folded strata. And you know, between two of these layers at the Grand Canyon, you've got an amazing knife-edge difference. This is no problem for a creationist. But anybody here who believes in millions of years, you've got a massive problem. Because people who believe in evolution tell us the bottom layer is six million years old in the top layer. I have a very simple question for them. How come there was no erosion between those layers for six million years? Anybody ever been to Australia for a holiday? Who would, yeah, did you see the 12 apostles? Anybody want to see them? It's a beautiful tourist island. Well, you better hurry up. You know why? There's only seven left. Because of erosion in my lifetime. Folks, I was in England five years ago. I was watching this documentary. The guy was pointing off the east coast of England. He said four and a half kilometres out there used to be a village a few hundred years ago. There was a church built four kilometres from the coast only 500 years ago. It's now half a kilometre from the coast. Folks, that's over six metres of erosion per annum along that east coast of England. Well, Nancy and I, we, we were over there a couple of years ago. We, did, we investigated for ourselves. Have a look at this. You've got roads now leading to nowhere. What's the point of that? Folks, a few years ago, they were leading to a village out there because of incredible erosion. But look at this. You've got World War II bunkers many metres out to sea. Oh, it was only 70 years ago there were many metres inland. But getting back to my question, how come there was no erosion between those layers for six million years? doesn't make sense. And by the way, that much erosion from both sides of England at the narrowest part would cut right through England in just one million years. How could England supposedly be hundreds of millions of years old? When you look at six metres per annum in many places, it doesn't make sense, does it? See, what makes sense, folks, is this, rapid deposition, that every layer was laid rapidly on top of the other one before any erosion could take place. And do you know what you find between some layers? Raindrop fossils. Anybody know what a raindrop fossil is? Imagine I've got some mud down here. A raindrop hits it, makes a beautiful little mark. Well, the sun and the wind destroy them sometimes in minutes. And sometimes you've got perfectly preserved raindrop fossils. So the next layer must have gone straight over the top, straight after the last one. Amen? Incredible. Anyway, as the flood is receding, there's also evidence of huge lakes like these big ones in North America. Now, the breach of these lakes and the receding floodwaters are now believed by many scientists to have carved out the Grand Canyon and other features rapidly rather than slowly. Has anybody here heard of David Attenborough? Well, David Attenborough said the Grand Canyon took 40 million years to carve out. Folks, I'll give you some evidence today. It took nowhere near that time. Mount St. Helens in the 1980s, incredible volcanic activity and mud flows were happening. Just look at this. In a few hours one day, eight metres of strata, that's about 26 foot of strata was laid down in just a few hours. But altogether, 600 foot high. Folks, that's about 80 times as high as this ceiling, was laid down in no time at all. And then there's a lot of water built up at the top of this volcano. It burst open one day. This massive mudslide ripped down the mountainside. Folks, look what it did. It carved out a 140-scale Grand Canyon. Well, of course, on David Attenborough's time frame, that would have taken one million years. But how long did it really take? Well, one day it wasn't there. The next day it was. Can anybody tell me why you need 40 million for the real one? All you need is a lot more water, amen? Like the worldwide flood of Noah. Anyway, uh, the power of fast-moving water is really incredible. 
Uh, have a look at this. Um, there was a huge snow melt at the uh, Glen Canyon dams, a lot of water pouring into the dam. The engineers were worried about the dam, letting the water out of all the different pipes. Oh, that's this massive spillway pipe from here to that wall, that window over there, 12 metres wide. Can you imagine a pipe that big? One metre thick, solid reinforced concrete. Folks, it was embedded in solid bedrock. Oh, they let this water out faster and faster, a bit worried about it. It eventually hit 100 feet per second. Then vacuum bubbles start to develop. Now incredible forces are being unleashed like you'd never believe. I'm talking well over 1,000 degrees Celsius. Hammer-like blows, folks. Look what it did. Powdered away the concrete and the bedrock in just minutes. Incredible power of water cavitation. But what we're looking at here, of course, is a little pimple of event, isn't it? Compared to the devastation that would have been unfolding at the time of Noah. Anyway, the Bible says all the mountains were covered, all land-dwelling, air-breathing, animals, birds, and creeping things. In fact, every living substance on the face of the land was just wiped out. But Noah remained alive. Who's glad about that? You should be, otherwise you wouldn't be here. And you know, the ark floated for an incredible 150 days before coming to rest on the mountains of Ararat in Turkey. Many, many months later, Noah sent out the dove, came back with the olive leaf. You see... Everything had to dry out, all the vegetation regrow, before God will eventually let them off the ark after 371 days. It wasn't 40 days and 40 nights, was it? But, you know, I get skeptics come up and say, Rod, yeah, what about the water? Folks, can you see any water up there today? Just a little. Do you know the area of water in the world is 72%, only 28% land? Well, let's pretend. Let's flatten down all the land all over the earth. Let's uplift those very deep oceans. Let's make everything dead flat like this floor. Folks, there's enough water to cover the whole world by nearly three kilometres deep. The water's still here. God just rearranged everything. Psalm 104, 5 to 9 tells us, doesn't it? God pushed up the mountains. He pulled down the valleys in the oceans. But anybody heard of the Himalayan mountains? Folks, they weren't there before the flood. They didn't have, the water didn't have to cover them. They, they were actually crunched up by the incredible tectonic activity towards the end of the flood. And you know what? They're covered in seashell fossils to the very top of the mountain. Because they're underwater, of course, at the time of the flood. Anyway, God now told them to be fruitful, didn't he? To multiply, to fill the earth with people. Folks, how many people live in the world today? Who'd like to guess? How many people? How many people? Not quite. No, you're, you're running ahead. No, more than that. Last time I looked, it was 7.1 something. But say, let's say 7 billion people live in the world today. Folks, listen to this. Just before I was born, 2 billion. Let's go back 350 years ago. Half a billion. Folks, if you're a mathematician and you do graphs, it's absolutely impossible on the population graph to go back beyond the time of Noah. But of course, if you watch those evolution documentaries, what do they tell you? Oh, man's been roaming around for 100,000, a million years. Well, what is the evidence for that? Well, quite frankly, unless you make it up, zero. No evidence whatsoever. Folks, the real evidence agrees with the Bible that every person in the whole world descended from Shem, Ham, Japheth and their wives. Noah's the great-grandfather of every one of the seven billion in the world today. And by the way, work it out, there's not that many generations. Who's happy to be my relation this morning? Folks. But of course, a lot of people say, yeah, but Rod, what about the, what about the African people? What about the Aborigines? What about the Asian people? Folks, there's only one race in the world. Is that true? It's called the human race. And by the way, we've all got the same colouring in our skin. That's called melanin. It all depends on how little you've got for how light you are, how much you've got for how dark you are, everything in between. And you know what? Adam and Eve were probably mid-brown. If, if a person is mid-brown today, they have the genes to go darker or lighter in just one generation. Have a look at this couple. They had twins. Tell me, what do you think about that, folks? Does that look interesting to you? Now they're growing up. 
Folks, isn't it easy to see what happened at the Tower of Babel? You see, after the flood, God got angry with them. They should have gone and filled the world. He split them up into little groups. That's where the languages started from and also the genetic makeup to develop people groups we see around the world today. But there's only one race. It's the human race. Amen? Tell me, who believes that our God is an almighty God today? Anybody believe that? Okay, have a look at this. Here's a little ant. It's got a computer chip in its jaw. That computer chip can process all the letters of the Bible 200 times a second. Is that pretty good? I want to show you today that that computer chip will pale into total, absolute insignificance compared to what God can do. Right down the bottom is a little dust mite. Let's blow up the dust mite. Hands up if you keep dust mites at home as pets. Hands up. <laughs> Folks, we feed them every day. Our body sheds millions of bits of microscopic skin. What I want you to do is leave the bedclothes on for another extra week, get the microscope out, check them out. Who's going to be itchy tonight? <laughs> okay, we're really magnifying stuff out here. There's a very sharp pinpoint. Let's blow up the pinpoint. This is full of E. coli bacteria. Yuck. Let's blow up the E. coli bacteria. Right down the bottom is a little strand of human DNA. Let's blow that up. Folks, you ever wondered when you were that little speck on your mother, in your mother's womb on the first day of conception, what was the blueprint to build your body of 100 trillion cells? But by the way, those cells are not simple like Charles Darwin thought. We now know they're more complex than the city of New York. So your body could possibly have up to 100 trillion New York cities in complexity. Who believes you need a good blueprint? Well, DNA. But imagine, in my fingertip, I've got the head of a pin. Who knows how tiny that is? A little pinhead. Imagine it's hollow. What I'm going to do now is fill that head of a pin with DNA molecules. And then what I'm going to do now is actually extrapolate, change that information into written words in books, and I'm going to pile some books up. How many books do you think it would be? One head of a pin filled up with DNA molecules converted to written words in books. How many books? Who'd like to guess? They're all quiet here today, aren't they? Folks, you know we have a saying in Australia? It's called, have a go, mate. <laughs> I thought the Irish were a bit more boisterous than this, didn't you, Nan? <laughs> Come on, folks, how many books? Who's going to have a go before I pick you out? How many books? Four. Four books. Folks, this is going to blow your mind like you'd never believe. Folks, one pinhead of DNA is equivalent to books piled to the moon 500 times. See, what you're dealing with here is a supreme intelligence, amen? You're dealing with an almighty God. And the Bible tells us, doesn't it? His ways are so far above our ways as the earth is to the heavens. Who reckons we need to praise God this morning? But you know what I find strange? Like in, uh, you know, here, like in Australia, we have professors in our universities that say there's no intelligence in DNA. But you know that computer chip, which took billions of dollars to get to that stage, and how many technicians and scientists, was there any intelligence behind that? Well, that's just paled to total, absolute insignificance compared to the storage capacity of DNA. Amen? Praise the Lord. We need to praise him. Amen. Okay, let's move on. What's the evidence for the flood? Folks, you know the real evidence? Billions of fossils showing clear evidence of rapid burial on a massive worldwide scale. In fact, some of the fossil record are so delicate, like insect wings and jellyfish, they disappear in hours in the tropics in Australia. But what do you find? Jellyfish perfectly preserved with all the tentacles. Because you know what Charles Darwin said? You would never find a jellyfish fossil. He's pretty wrong on that one, wasn't he? Folks, billions of fish with the fins sticking up rigid, buried alive by their billions. I want to show you how fast it can get. Look at this. He's a fish just swallowed his breakfast. <laughs> oh, you couldn't call that slow accumulation over millions of years, could you? 
Folks, have a look at this one. An extinct ichthyosaur just given birth to its young. Anyway, no, another really good evidence of rapid burial, you know, are tree fossils and coal seams. In fact, some of these tree fossils go 25 metres up through the strata. Sorry? Oh, 80 foot. Sorry, metres, you don't understand. 80 foot through the strata, folks. This is no problem for a creationist. But if anybody here is believing in millions of years, here's another big problem. Because, you see, from the bottom to the top of an 80-foot tree on the evolution time frame is mega time. Who believes a tree could stand up for a million years and not rot away? I don't think so. Folks, they rot away. Insects destroy them, fires destroy them. They're gone totally in a few decades. Even less than that sometimes. But getting back to my example, some of these tree logs are upside down. Well, how do they get that way? And you know what? They cut through coal seams supposedly two million years apart. Well, who, who reckons they got the wrong theory for coal? Folks, how long does it actually take to make coal? Well, I can turn good wood into coal in four weeks, and it's super simple. You don't need millions of years. In fact, everything they say that takes millions of years can happen very, very fast. Have a look at this. Any ladies here like opals? Well, of course, what they're telling these ladies is that these opals are millions of years old, and now the ladies are quite prepared to pull out a lot of money. But folks, here's a man at Lightning Ridge. He's learned the mix. He mixes up a bit of slurry in his Vegemite jars. He plunks them on the shelf. In a few weeks, he's got a perfect opal. Scientists cannot tell the difference. Look at this. Anybody ever been in these caves or heard of these stalactites? Oh, once again, they're telling everybody that these stalactites are millions of years old. Folks, here's a mine that was only shut for 55 years. Look at those miners down the bottom. Look at the size of the stalactites in just 65 years, 55 years. Do you know, out back Queensland, they've actually found petrified fence posts. Who's ever been in the museum, checked out the petrified wood? Well, it's always got a tag on, millions of years old. Folks, how can fence posts in Australia be millions of years old? Captain Cook didn't get there till 1770, amen? Joe, in Western Australia, there's this beautiful wooden water wheel that's now turned to stone. In Tasmania, this guy left this beautiful soft felt hat down in the mine. Folks, it's now a hard hat. It's a fossil hat. See, you don't need millions of years for these things, do you? You just need the right conditions to make a fossil. Anyway, dinosaurs went on the ark. But tell me, would you take a big one or a little one? Well, what do you think? I'd take a little one, amen? See, dinosaurs are like crocodiles. They actually come from an egg. Even the biggest dinosaur come from an egg only that big. Let's have a look at the baby crocodile. Who reckons they're pretty cute? Whoo, how big do they grow? Still looking cute? Folks, I told them on the BBC about that. They never put it on. I wonder why. Folks, 8.6 metres long. You know, T-Rex would have run away from that. That was alive less than 60 years ago. Look at the size of the teeth. Look at the jaws. Every, any one of you would have been swallowed in one gulp. Folks, if you go to Australia, don't forget, watch out for the crocodiles. But, you know, God wouldn't have brought a, an 8.6 metre crocodile on board. What's wrong with a one-metre crocodile, amen? But you know, in the book of Job, it describes this animal called behemoth. Behemoth had a tail like a cedar. By the way, the book of Job is about 400 years after the flood. So this is after the flood. This is not before the flood. He's describing this animal that's got a tail like a cedar tree. There's my wife, Nancy. There's two cedar trees. Tell me, if you had a tail like a cedar tree, would you have a big tail or would you have a little tail? You'd have a big tail, wouldn't you? I was reading a Bible commentary one day. You know what it said? It was a hippopotamus. Anybody ever seen one of those? In another Bible commentary, it said it was an elephant. Who's ever seen one of those? Who believes we need to be careful with Bible commentaries? It's not the word of God. Anyway, have a look at this animal described by Job. What does it actually look like? Do you know the... They're not very loud here, are they? Now? Do you know the... Dinosaur, that's it. Do you know when you go back into written history, you find hundreds of written accounts. People killing, being killed, describing these monsters. 
Has anybody heard of the Welsh Chronicles? Oldest written history in Britain. Well, it describes this brave king. One day he went out to defend the city. But it went on to say, the monster ate him up like a little fish. He wasn't very successful, was he? But folks, what about St. George? Was he more successful? What is St. George actually killing? Dinosaurs, a new name for dragon? Bishop Bell was only buried 500 years ago. Well, where did they come from? Perfect pictures of long-necked, long-tailed dinosaurs 500 years ago. Folks, you know, there are hundreds of these all over the world. But you know, in Montana and Alaska, they've actually found dinosaur bones that are not fossilized. They're still soft. And they even have soft, smelly, stinky tissue. They've even found the red blood cells. Folks, evolution theory tells us dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago. They also believe in multiple ice ages. So the earth went from hot to cold, hot to cold. Who believes that stuff could last for 65 million years of hot and cold? You know, when I was a little boy, my mum said to me, she said, Rod, what you're going to need in this life more than anything is a good dose of common sense. Folks, who believes common sense is missing in our society today? It really is. The lady who was checking these, she should have said, hey, our theory is in trouble. Amen? This is hopeless evidence for evolution, but I tell you what, fantastic evidence for a young earth. You see, with the fountains of the deep, the volcanic activity had really warm oceans, incredible evaporation, massive dumping of snow on the poles and high mountains straight after the flood to give you the one and only ice age. Perfect conditions to preserve these things for a short period of time. And anyway, uh, a lot of people say, yeah, but Rod, why isn't the word dinosaur in the Bible? Is that a good question? First, is the word computer in the Bible? No, it's pretty obvious, it's a new name. See, the word dinosaur is a new name, only invented 170 years ago. You won't find the word dinosaur in the Bible, but you do find in the King James Bible, translated 400 years ago, behemoth, leviathan, dragon. Just different names for the same animal. Well, why aren't they around today? Folks, it's very simple. We killed them. We were in Canada recently. These two girls got chased around by this bear. Well, the next day, boom, got rid of it. We're pretty good at killing things, aren't we? You know, in Tasmania, boy, we killed every Tasmanian tiger. Who believes that's pretty sad? It is, isn't it? But we're pretty good as human beings at killing things off. Not only killing animals off, killing each other. And by the way, the Bible says, as in the days of Noah, look at the killing going around the world today. Anyway, um, good job we only killed 99% of the whales. Do you know that 1% is now growing up in number? They're nearly all gone. Has anybody heard of Marco Polo? Well, Marco Polo, you know when he went through Asia, you know what he said? He said, tigers were an absolute pest. Tell me, if you went through Asia today through the same route, would you be worried about tigers? Not at all. Folks, I went to Australia Zoo, one of the zoos around Australia that's protecting the tiger. Two years ago, they told me, if something drastic doesn't happen, you will not find one tiger in the wild in 10 years' time. That's what they said. They'll be all gone in the wild. In New Zealand, the Maori people love Kentucky Fried Moabed. Well, they, they loved it too much. Folks, they wiped them all out 600 years ago. Nearly all gone. They're all gone, I should say, 600 years ago. Anyway, the Bible says we're creating the image of God. Who believes that today? And not only that, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But if you went to university, what would your professor tell you? Would he tell you something different? I don't know about you guys, but my great-great-grandfather was a very intelligent man. Folks, I want to examine one. We haven't got time to go in more today, but I just want to examine one of these today. It's called Piltdown Man. Piltdown Man, um, discovered by Charles Dawson in a, in a gravel pit in Sussex, England. But I want you to listen to the New York Times headlines. Listen to this. Darwin's theory proven to be true, they said. English scientists say the skull found in Sussex, Piltdown Man, now establishes human descent from apes. Proven, they said. This was taught as a fact for 44 years. Don't believe in Adam and Eve. 
but believe in real science. Folks, after 44 years, they had a new way of testing these bones. This is what they found. They found that, that the, um, the jawbone belonged to an ape that died only 50 years previously. But I want you to listen to this. They also found the teeth had been filed down on purpose. Teeth and bones had been discolored with bichromate of potash. It's actually a fraud. Planted by someone. Why? To push the theory of evolution. Folks, why would they go to those things? I'll tell you why. Because they're still looking for missing links. Do you know, if evolution was true, there should be untold billions of missing links. But do you know why they'll never find a real one? It's very simple, if you're a Bible reader. Because in the beginning, God created mankind. God created the horse kind. God created the ape kind. God created the dog kind, folks. You'll never, ever find a missing link. Because God didn't make those things, amen? And what amount of money is being wasted looking for those things? Could have gone into something better, couldn't it? Amazing. And you know what? The evolution theory just falls in a heap when you look at the fossil record. Because the fossil record screams stasis, no change. You go back 400 million years ago, you'll find a horseshoe crab. Well, it's exactly like a horseshoe crab today. No change. You go back in the fossil record, you'll find a fish exactly like a fish today. Folks, go back supposedly 50 million years ago. You'll find a bat exactly like a bat today. So don't forget, next time they, and they'll be coming up with them, the new missing link that this one fooled hundreds of scientists for 44 years. Well, what can we learn from the account of Noah? Well, you know what? It shows we all need to be saved. Who believes that today? See the flood and the billions of fossils, you know? They're a sobering reminder of the judgment of God and the seriousness of sin. In Hebrews 9.27, it tells us, it's appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Folks, there may be one person here today who needs to hear this. I want to give my testimony. In my early 30s, my God was getting drunk and playing sport. That was my God. Anyway, one day, I was at a home show of all places. There was a Bible society stand. They had Bibles for sale real cheap. Well, I was always one for a bargain. I bought a Bible. Folks, I took that Bible home. I started to read that Bible. One day I was at home. I just felt the power of God hit me. I just remember lying on the floor. God gave me a vision of everything I'd ever done in my life. And I agreed when I got to the end of that, I was in a hopeless situation. I wasn't going to heaven. And then I literally saw a vision of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the blood of Christ wipe away every sin I'd ever committed. Folks, if there's anybody here today who thinks you've done too much bad stuff to get to heaven, don't believe the lie of the devil. I was witnessing uh, this morning to a guy at the hotel. He said he was past redemption. He said he had no hope. He was going to hell. But I witnessed my testimony, and after I witnessed my testimony, he said, there is hope. It's not too late. Folks, it's not too late. And you know what? There are a multitude like that man out in these streets around Belfast who are thinking it's too late for them. Folks, the ark for today is to be in, is to be in and under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to have a, a living faith, not religion, but a living faith in Jesus Christ. Anyway, remember there's only one door into the ark. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, I am the door. He said, whoever enters through me will be saved. Isn't that good news? And the apostle Paul said this. He said, our eyes have never seen, our ears have never heard of the wonders God's prepared for those who love him. Folks, what an incredible inheritance we've got. Amen. And yet, to most people out there, it's a secret. I think we need to get excited. You know, it really makes me a bit sad when I see Christians getting excited over the football. But then, get them down the street. 
with an unbeliever. They're not as excited. Who believes we need to be excited about Jesus? We need to get out there, folks, because I tell you what, just like that, like that, that man this morning, he didn't know there's still hope. So let's, let's, do, let's just bow our head in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful faith of Noah. I just pray today that through the work of your Holy Spirit, you would lead each one of us into a deeper living relationship with you. And Father God, I pray that we would redeem the time for you. We would reach out with the gospel, the light of the gospel to those in darkness. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, I know you're dying to have a look inside the ark, but I'm just going to show you what it may have looked like inside of the ark. So bear with us just for a minute or two as we take a tour inside the ark. Let's take a walk along the top deck. You can see the individual living quarters of Noah, Shem, Ham and Japheth and the wives. They would have probably lived up here due to this being the best position for light and ventilation. We don't really know how the interior was laid out. So what I've done, I've constructed each level with prayerful thought and imagination just to show you the various pens, cages and rooms, giving you an idea of how it may have looked. Standing here on the top deck and I'm looking down the ramp to the middle level. Further down we can see another ramp going way down to the bottom level. When I built the model I wanted to give people a really good idea of what the real ark may have looked like. And so I fitted out each level throughout the ark with the various pens and cages and rooms. Over here we can actually see some of Noah's family enjoying a meal together at the table. Looking further down we have numerous small cages with the necessary food supplies being placed close at hand for convenience of feeding. Kamel, the Bible tells us how long the ark was. It tells us how wide and how high. It also describes a single door into the ark, a cubit window for light and ventilation, and also, as we've already mentioned, the three decks inside the ark. It was covered in pitch that was a resin-like substance that was there for waterproofing. It also describes rooms in the ark, but it doesn't actually uh, describe the shape and the size of those rooms. What I've done, I've set them out inside the ark to give us an idea what it would have possibly looked like. Here we are on the top level. Noah and his family would have probably abided here because of the better ventilation and the better light. And over here we can see some desks where they would have recorded the daily activities and many other important records. Winches like this one here were probably used on a day-to-day -day basis to bring up food and water in the daily life of Noah and his family. This is one of the many kinds of aviaries that house the various kinds of beds. As you can imagine, there's just no need for an alarm clock on Noah's Ark. water would have been stored for convenience next to the animals, as you can see next to these cows that are eating contentedly. Well-preserved food would have been stored conveniently throughout the ark for Noah and his family. Can you just imagine the excitement of Noah as God brought the animals to the ark? Hi, Shin. Do you know ancient people were very good at preserving food? When you think of all of the work they had to do, running around the ark, feeding all the animals, they needed a healthy and substantial diet. In fact, before I continue the tour of the ark, I'm just going to have a cup of tea myself. That's not a bad cup of tea, Shem. Standing here on the middle level of the model, down here we can see the lower level, and over here we can see the pens going way back to the end of the ark. Must have been amazingly big. Just amazing when you get inside the ark to see how big it was, how long it is. We're in the middle of the ark here, and it seems to be miles down to the other end of the ark. Just enormous. 
As I said earlier, the model took hundreds of hours to complete. Just imagine the amount of work that would have been done on the real art. See, we're now down here on the lower level. Our eyes need to adjust to the filtered light coming through. Probably the larger animals would have been housed over here, together with those that like the filtered light. Standing here in the heart of the vessel. Now, I hope that this tour of the model has given you some idea of what the real Noah's Ark may have looked like. Now, it's taken about 600 hours to put this model together. Many of the parts were very small, needed tweezers to put them together. And so I just hope that uh, this model has given you some idea of the real size and the enormity of the real Noah's Ark. Rob, this has been a fascinating subject and I've learnt a lot about Noah's Ark. Right, what a squeeze in there, folks, I tell you. It gets worse as you get older. Tell me, does anybody here believe we're living in different days today? I tell you what, if you're my age, you'll, you have seen a great change come over the world. You know, I go to shows like uh, Melbourne Show, and I get over the years, hundreds of teenagers come up. But you know what a lot of them say? No, mate, we come from apes, because that's what they're taught. But you know, if they'll listen to me for 15 or 20 minutes, they'll often go away and say, thanks, mate. I never heard that before in my life. Who believes you need answers for those kids? By the way, not only young ones. You know, in Australia, I don't know about here, but in Australia, we have three generations who've never been to church. You know, we call old people in Australia who drive, go around in caravans and that all the time, we call them grey nomads. Well, I have heaps of grey nomads coming up to me in my van. And, you know, I had a couple come up one day, they said, oh, Rod, we believe in evolution, we don't believe in this stuff. Anyway, I started to talk to them. They soaked up everything I said. Before they left, after 20 minutes, they had to go to an appointment. I said, what do you believe now? They said, we believe in Jesus Christ and creation. Folks, we need answers for people. We really do today. Well, one way to get answers is Creation Magazine. Hands up if you get Creation Magazine. Folks, it's an amazing magazine. It's actually written by uh, scientists, but in layman's terms, so you can understand it. Short articles, uh, really interesting uh, to build your faith uh, like you wouldn't believe. And it's an amazing magazine, full colour too, by the way, with, even with a children's section. And it's an amazing soul winner just by itself. I pulled up in New South Wales town once. This guy pulled up, uh, come, come running up the footpath, I should say, as I pulled up. And he came up, he said, Rod, I've got to tell you something. I was in a doctor's surgery one day. I picked up a creation magazine, turned my life to Christ. In another place, in Gympie, in, in the country in Queensland, a guy came up, he said, Rod, I come to Christ through Creation Magazine. But he also said he had five brothers and sisters. None of them knew Christ. He sent each one of them a gift subscription, and four of them have come to know Jesus Christ as, a, as their saviour. You see, folks, there's so many people out there today that have been fed evolution day in, day out. They think the Bible can't be true, but one creation magazine can turn their thinking around. Anyway, if you sign up for creation magazine today, we want to take the pain away. Is that a good idea? We're going to give you more freebies than the cost of the magazine. Because if you sign, it's only £14 for, the, for a whole year's subscription. And if you sign up today, by the way, you can pay cash, credit card or cheque. And um, we're going to give you a back copy of the magazine. We're also going to give you a nice picture of, the, uh, of Noah's Ark. So you put it up in a nice uh, frame and then start evangelizing. Invite the neighbours in from next door for a cup of tea. You won't have to say a word. They'll open the conversation. Now, who wants to take my model home today? Well, you can't have it. But I'll give you a little one. Do you know even this little model's been used as a soul winner? A guy came up to me one time. He said, Rod, he said, I could never talk to my brother about God. He said, every time I did, he just turned his back, walked out the door. But one day his brother was over for tea. This little model was sitting on top of the TV set. His brother picked it up, read the information, opened up for the first time in his life about God. Just through that little model and the information. 
I also find a lot of people don't know where things fit in the Bible. They've got no real idea of the real history of the world. Well, what about a timeline? When was the flood? What about creation? What about King David? It's all there with a lot of other interesting things as well. It's all on the timeline. Now, if you've forgotten what I've said today, we'll give you our DVD. You'll get all that for free, folks, if you sign up for Creation Magazine. £14. By the way, if you want to do a three-year subscription, we'll give you another DVD as well. And we reduce the price down as well. It's not three times 14. It's a little bit cheaper, isn't it, then? 39. Now, folks, anybody heard of Richard Dawkins? Yeah, I was in England two years ago. A guy came up to me and said, Rod, he said, um, do you know you're on Richard Dawkins' website? I said, no. Well, he had 17 pages printed off. On the first page it had, Arkman visits UK. Skeptics required. Urgent action. You should have read the blogs. They were out to get me. I didn't even know I'd get back to Australia in one piece. <laughs> Folks, but you know what they did at the end? They put all of our itinerary up on the website. Well, you should have seen the crowds. Folks, at the end in London, we have massive venues totally packed out. Absolutely packed out. Side rooms, nearly as big as this room, packed out. We had one place with three big doors out into the courtyard. They're all out there as well. But he meant it for bad, but what did God do? Turned it round for good. But I've got a very simple question for us today, folks. If Richard Dawkins thinks it's important to stop this stuff, do you think it's important for Christians to have it? I find that a lot of Christians don't get it. The atheists know where to hit us on the foundation. Folks, we need to get this stuff and we need to get it out there. Be equipped ourselves, amen? We really do. Anyway, there's lots of books out there too, but here's just a few of them. Who would like to have all the answers? Well, buy the answers book. Six of the most asked questions on creation evolution and it's so cheap over here. Seven pound, no, eight pound, which is euros now? No, seven, eh, only seven pound. Yeah, seven pound for that, I tell you. Lots of great questions. Now, here's a great book called Dragons or Dinosaurs, Creation or Evolution. Folks, it's so important that we have the answers on these things, amen? It really is. Here's a great, you know, many people think we're not in a battle today. But it's not a battle of guns and bullets. It's a battle of ideas, philosophies that our children are people being taught. And this is a great DVD by Philip Bell called Battle for the Mind. Now, he's, an, he's a fairly new book. It's a fantastic book by uh, Roger Gallup, a PhD geologist in America. But if you want something to get your teeth into, have a look at this called Evolution, the Greatest Deception in Modern History. It not only covers geology, but lots of other stuff as well. You know, so if you're not sure of what I've said today, you want to find out more or get your teeth into something, make sure you take that book home. Now, remember us telling you there's lots and lots of uh, dragon stories that go back. They're actually dinosaurs. Oh, uh, this is a new book called uh, Untold Secrets of Planet Earth, Dire Dragons. Folks, you should see the number of dinosaurs and dragons that just uh, fold up together. They're just, you know, the same thing. And uh, anyway, uh, have a look at that one. Now, there's lots of children's books over there, but I reckon this is one of the best children's books called Exploring Geology with Mr. Hibbs. If you, by the way, if you as a parent want to find out, you know, what about the fossils? What about the strata? What about the ice age, etc.? And you don't want to get too technical, well, buy it for yourself and then pass it on to the kids. It's a great book. Have a look at it. Beautiful illustrations. And here's a fantastic book. I think everybody should have a true story of Noah's Ark. Folks, why don't you put these things up in your kitchen and then put this on the table, invite your neighbours in. The true story of Noah's Ark. Amazing book. Have a look. Uh, there's one open out there. You can really check that one out. Do you know, by, by the way, sadly, 95% of Noah's Ark books promote a myth. So we need real ones, don't we? And of course... Kids love dragons and dino books, don't they? Well, they need to know the truth of them. So if you've got children or grandchildren, make sure that they're equipped with all of these books. I've just got a quick question for us.
Jesus said he's the way and he's the He's the way and the life and the one I missed out? Truth. That's it, truth. Folks, do you think everything out there is truth? No way. The devil, the father of lies, there's so much, so, so much stuff in the world. We need to make sure that we as parents, as, as adults, as grandparents, that we need to know the truth, have books that agree with the truth, amen, and be able to get it out to other people who don't know the truth. So I just encourage you with that. And, uh, and also, I'll just finish with one more scripture. Uh, in Colossians 2 verse 8, it says this. It says, beware. It's a warning. Make sure that you're not deceived by the teachings of men and the teachings of the world that differ from the teachings of Christ. Folks, this is, a, like the pastor said, this is probably the only opportunity you'll get for maybe a long time to look at these books. You don't get them in the bookshops. Have a look at them, be equipped, and then let's get out there, amen, and uh, with a smile on our face and take the good news to others. God bless you all. Thank you very much. Oh, by the way, um, just finish. If you've got questions, Nancy will be over there with the magazine sales and the book sales code. Don't forget to ask her for all the freebies. But I want to give, I'm going to give these away for three reasons. A new sub, an add-on, or a gift sub, okay? Now, I want to give a gift sub away to somebody here today. So somebody who can't afford it, that may be up wherever you are, come and see me, don't be shy, and I'll give you a free subscription. So God bless you. I've only got one, by the way, so... I can't do a multitude. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, David. And don't forget, come up and ask more questions. Well, that was very informative, wasn't it? And humorous too. And uh, tremendous. Now, there's notices here in the front of this, please do not touch the ark. All right? So if you bring your kids up and... Uh, it's your responsibility to make sure because obviously this is very delicate and it's taken so many hours to do it and uh, a little hand could just reach out in 10 seconds and all this man's work would be gone. So have a good look at it, ask him lots of questions and then avail yourself to the resources at the back there. Uh, there's still plenty of time to do that, all right? So you enjoy that today? Very different, isn't it? It's very, very good. So let's pray and uh, then you can have a look at the bookstore. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus, the creator of the ends of the earth, and not only the creator, but the recreator. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. And so we thank you for your ability to recreate us, to make us into your image. We bless you for the gift of life that you impart. Thank you for all the information that we've received today, for all the truths, Lord, that we have heard today. We bless you for the ministry of Rod and Nancy, Lord. We pray your blessing to be upon them tonight, wherever they may be, and tomorrow as they make their way home. So thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, those of you who were here on the Friday night when Steph McLeod was here, many people was here the night Steph was here, a number of you. Well, we did, before that service that night, that afternoon, we did an interview in here with Steph, and he went into his whole testimony.